Hi everyone. Before we begin the podcast, I'd just like to quickly apologize. The first 15 minutes of the audio when I start talking is um, far from very good quality. Um, essentially, I forgot to turn my Yeti microphone, external microphone on. So it was using the microphone on my laptop for the first 15 minutes. And it was only after that that I realized and therefore turned it on. So you might notice the quality in the, for the first 15 minutes um, isn't ideal, but then after that it does improve. So bear with me. Let's play the intro. And how can oh God, Danny, stay on your bike! burning and they don't want to turn around anymore and you know if somebody now attacks you're going to be like blown out of the water but you just go no i just keep going just keep going tied on the inside it's this solo on the barriers Peter again just showing himself his fans race may not seem to exist but this is there oh my goodness he's gone and done it again oh what about that now then everybody i am tom ramsey and welcome to the edge coaching podcast the Edge is a performance cycling company based in East Yorkshire and it is my greatest pleasure to have you listening to me today whether you're currently out riding your bike in the lanes or simply on your commute to work in the car. This podcast will provide a clear insight into the world of athletic performance and help provide a clear, relatable understanding into subject areas revolving training, nutrition, stress, psychology and much, much more. Every single podcast that I do will also feature a Q&A section too, and you can submit these questions by sending me a message on any of my social media channels. Without further ado, let's begin. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode number 10 of the Edge Coaching Podcast. This is everything relating to indoor training so how to do turbo sessions how to set them up how to um what how to approach your nutrition and your planning and really how to get the most out of your indoor training as physically possible um indoor training and turbo sessions is an absolutely fantastic tool that you can use to develop your sports performance, your cycling performance, and especially over winter. I mean, um, you know, some of the weather that we've had the past few weeks with snow and ice and, you know, obviously minus temperatures along with rain. Um, yeah, for nine out of 10 people, it is unfeasible to get out and do lots of um Lots of miles on the road at the minute. As I've explained before, my kind of rationales behind why indoor training is so good. Um, and yeah, as I've said before, training outside and, and enjoying riding out on the bike with the fresh air and the exposure to natural light is much more enjoyable for most people, um, myself included. But there's a time and a place for that. And if you are an individual who is working nine till five, you haven't got any daylight in the day midweek 
um, to ride your bike anyway. Um, and then when you do get back from work, it is very cold and dark and wet. So um, actually just getting in a very time sensitive, clinical, efficient training session in within an hour on the turbo session after work would be much more appropriate. I'm just going to have a sip of my coffee. Black Americano. Oh, first sip of the coffee of the day is always fantastic. Okay, so let me just set the scene. Um, to be honest, this might well be my last podcast for a couple of weeks. It might not be, but it might be. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um, the reason for that is Becky, my wife, is, as you probably know by now, heavily pregnant. The due date for the baby is the 21st of February. But Becky just went to go and see the midwife a couple of days ago. And basically the midwife suggested that she's much further along than that. I don't think she's probably allowed to say that it's going to come earlier. But she suggested that the, the baby is... I think the term is engaged, which I think means something like the head is in the right position for birth now. So that the baby's head is is kind of engaged near the pelvis in the right place to come out. Um, so as Becky was leaving the appointment, the midwife said, I'll see you in two weeks um, if, if, if you're not kind of given birth by then kind of thing <laughs> um so so yeah so basically the birth of my first child is imminent um and as i as i've explained before obviously around that time that takes my priority and i won't be doing a podcast in the first week of that child's birth put it that way <laughs> so um so yeah we'll see what happens um but uh, but yeah that's to consider um a bit of a training update for me, I guess. Some of you pay a bit of an interest. Um, on the lab, on the last podcast, I said that I'm taking a step back from uh, kind of high-end performance for myself, and uh, and that and that still remains. Um, but it's funny, obviously, with the with the rubbish weather that we've had the past few weeks, I've been doing a bit more indoor training um, on the watt bike that I've got set up in my garage, and actually really enjoying it. I found a new time to train in the day, which is first thing on a morning, which I'll talk about a little bit in a, in later in this podcast. Um, <clears throat> but I'm actually really enjoying the the clinical kind of performance element to it again. Um, I think, like anybody, one of the main drivers for my motivation is to see progression. And if I get on the turbo, sorry, the watt bike, week by week or day by day. And I can feel myself and see myself getting fitter, but and be able to quantify that in numbers. Then I really enjoy that. So it's funny because some of my mates have been taking the piss out of me because it was only last podcast that I said I'm taking a step back and not pushing myself quite as hard. But the last few days training, the last few weeks training, actually since last we spoke, I guess, has been fantastic. Um, I've um, I've had some really really effective training sessions, and um, I even. Um, I even actually put myself through um, a sub-maximal 
threshold test with associated blood lactate measures and heart rate measures yesterday on the Watt bike, which was very difficult because for those of you who um, know, obviously what I what I do is every two minutes I ramp up the intensity on the bike, <clears throat> but but at each two minute increment I actually take a small blood sample from my fingertip and I put this through an analysis tool, but normally doing that to an individual is quite easy but um doing it to yourself while you are doing that test sat on the bike um is quite difficult um but i managed um and uh and yeah i got some good good numbers from that um i aren't going to be uh, i aren't going to be closed about my numbers i aren't bothered if people know and some people might find it interesting so um my uh lactate peaks at somewhere between um well I, from it once i extrapolated the data um i just I, I figured out that my my functional threshold power was around 350 watts um my mind is it's just under that so about three four eight ish um based on uh, kind of extrapolating it with some other data but um obviously we go up in 10 watt increments so we go up uh, in 10 watt increments from a fairly easy rate and then every two minutes we go up by 10 watts um, <clears throat> and I got to the 240 mark and my blood was still at uh, like 1.6 millimoles of blood lactate and then by 350 it went up to 4.2 um, I actually still felt quite good at, at 350 but um, yeah it just it just spiked above that kind of that marker that we look for um, so yeah so my my um, my functional threshold would would be somewhere between 340 and 350 but in terms of the markers and, and extrapolating it through heart rate we we kind of um, we could assume that it was towards the, the higher end of that um, so yeah that was good and, and I weighed myself yesterday morning and, and I was 82 kilos so um, I haven't actually done the maths yet but uh, if we go three four eight divided by eighty two equals so that's four point two four watts per kilo um <clears throat> it's not amazing um and I have been stronger than that, but I haven't usually been any stronger than that in january so but to be honest, what surprises me is I haven't actually been trying to get like loads fitter this year I've been doing loads of strength and conditioning this year and little a few easy longer rides now and again literally like once a week or once every 10 days and then maybe two indoor turbo sessions a week but and I've actually I think because I've been prioritizing the strength training that's really had a good effect this year um I've always done a lot of strength training in the winter but this year I've taken it to another level um, and played around with a lot of different things with regards to form and function and volume and um, weights so I won't go into the ins and outs but yeah it's looking good I mean like I say baby's coming in a couple of weeks the season's probably gonna be starting late anyway I'm not too fussed where I am but it's just nice to see those positive positive numbers I guess um, so so yeah so looking good so in a couple of weeks 
I might even put myself through a ramped max test just to see what that's like, but we'll see. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, with regards to this podcast, um, I'll also I'll just say now I am going to do a Q and A at the end of the podcast, and I won't forget this time. Um, it's a gen- generic Q and A, so some have got some are with regards to sports nutrition, some are with regards to um, um turbo sessions and and some are with regards to loads of different things so um so we'll see how it goes and i've actually just put out a live q a on my instagram so um so i'm just having a look now so yeah so things <clears throat> so a few things are coming um coming in now which are looking interesting so to speak okay so um first things first then um Turbo sessions, how to get the most out of them after I have another sip of my coffee. So, first of all, you have to, let's, let's not go into the training side of it too much. So let's assume that you are an individual who has decided to improve their fitness over winter. You need to get a turbo set up. Or you need to start training indoors because you can't feasibly get home from work and generate the motivation um, to get out on the bike after work in cold, shitty British weather. It's either raining or it's really, really cold. Or not only that, it's not very time sensitive. So even if you have got the motivation and the the hardiness to go out when it's crappy weather, um, if you want to do an hour ride, it's oft, it's not just an hour ride because you've got half an hour faffing around before it getting all your layers on. You've got the ride itself, you come back and then you've got a bike to clean and you've got a shower to have and you've got to take all your mucky clothes off, wash those clothes and things like that. So let's assume that you've already been through that. You've already convinced yourself that you need to do indoor, indoor training. So I'm not going to try and convince you today. The reason that you listen to this is probably because you've already been convinced. Um... But what I'm going to talk about today is how to get the most out of it and how to make that as efficient as possible. So the first thing to consider is setup. So <clears throat> the problem I've got as a coach at the minute is I've got all of my different clients have got different setups. So not only not only have clients using different um, different platforms such as Zwift such as trainer road, such as uh, using no platform at all and just using their Garmin to follow a session, um, such as using the Be Cool app. Um, the, there's lots of different uh, kind of uh, platforms that you can use. But not only that, clients also have lots of different turbo trainers. Some have rollers with resistance. Some have Watt bikes. Some have Wahoo bikes. So I guess what I'm saying to you now is, there is lots of different setups you can do. Um, so I'm not going to say to you, oh, you must get this, you must get that. Because to be quite honest, it depends on your budget. Um, if you have all the money in the world to spend um, or you know you want to invest quite a bit into this because you know that it's an area that you need to, need to look into, then <clears throat> what I would do is I would invest a lot in guys i've just realized that 
that's really frustrating. I've just realized that I've actually been using the microphone on my laptop rather than the microphone on my um, on my new uh, my new Yeti mic. So hopefully what you'll notice is as of a few seconds ago, the sound quality has improved. <laughs> but to be quite honest, I was thinking about just going back and starting again. I can't I can't be doing with that. I don't have time for it today. So <laughs> um nice raw footage for you, nice nice raw audio for you. Um that first ten minutes of the podcast might be not as good sound quality as I was hoping for. Um and I'm quite interested actually to when I hear this back if I notice the difference. But anyway, we'll go from there. Um so yeah, so going back to what I just said, um if you have enough money to to invest in this, what I would go for is um, a Wahoo bike. Um, it's what I use for testing and what I use for bike fits over at Viva Lovello. Um, and they are a fantastic bit of kit. Secondary to that, I would invest in something like a Watt bike. Um, so basically, the theme there is if you have the money available, I would invest in a bike which is set up and ready to go, i.e. not a um, turbo on a bike. The reason, my rationale for that would be that it's there, it's set up, it's in your position, there's no calibration involved, there's no faff involved, there's less wearing of different parts, um, and that bike is there, that bike is made for indoor training. Um, it's typically a lot more reliable, quantifiable data, um, and there's no um, kind of setup and calibration issues which could occur between the turbo and the bike. Um, so, so yeah, I mean the 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 gold standard for me, what I would say is a Wahoo bike, um, and secondary to that would be a Watt bike, Watt bike Atom type of thing. Um, now. Let's now go down to the next tier. Um, so if you're looking to get a turbo and you want a bike set up on it, then yeah, it again, it massively depends on what, what you're wanting to put into it from, from, um, from a financial perspective. You know, turbos, you can buy turbos for around £1,000 at the minute. Um, now, to be honest, personally, I if I was to get a turbo now, I wouldn't be spending that kind of money on one. Um, even if I had the money available, because I don't think you can justify. I think if you spend about 600 quid on a turbo, that will give you a fantastic turbo trainer. And the difference between spending 600 quid and 1,100 quid, which is some of the top end ones, I don't think that the, from what, from my experience, I don't think you're necessarily getting that extra, extra benefit out of them. Um, if you genuinely genuinely want my opinion on how much you should spend on a turbo, I think you should be looking at about six hundred quid, um, something like a Wahoo Kicker Core, um, or something around that kind of price range, um, would be appropriate. I know there's loads of different brands. I know Tax do one about six hundred quid. I know uh, Wahoo do like I say. I know Elite do one about that kind of brand. Sorry, that that type of price range, um. Don't get me wrong, there is turbo trainers out there for about 300 quid, which would do um, which would do the, a really, really good job. Um, what I wouldn't go near 
is turbo trainers that are less than 100 quid because you really won't get um you won't enjoy sessions that are that on turbos that are that kind of price um you know you, you haven't got any kind of ride feel they're not direct drive um and uh, and yeah they're not they're not very good really um so so yeah if you if you could if you can just save up for another couple of months whatever it might be and invest in one which is over 300 quidish then you, you you're going to get a good piece of equipment and then straight away as well uh, for that kind of price you've got a smart turbo or one which it can be linked to um uh, amp plus or wi-fi to to get power so if you don't have power on your bike through power cranks or power pedals whatever it might be then you can link up with a, an online platform such as zwift and actually get like an estimation of power on there um there's an argument to, to there on on how reliable that estimation of power would be um and we won't go down that route but if you to be honest it doesn't matter if it's not accurate what matters if it's if it's consistent so if you get a turbo trainer which estimates power um and uh, through through one of these platforms that we said such as trainer road um and it might be five percent out i mean if you're doing zwift races and things like that that's not ideal but if you are just using it for training um if it's five percent out it doesn't matter as long as it's five percent out every single time that's what matters so you've got your turbo um you've got it all set up and you've got your bike on the tur on the turbo let's just say for for this example what else do you need so you need a good fan um and this is something that uh people don't often take into account but i promise you if you can invest in a good fan to get some circulating air on you when the going gets tough that will really improve your performance that will make that session much more enjoyable you need circulating air and you need to ideally get a fairly big industrial fan pointing directly at you at your face um because honestly if you don't it just makes it a lot harder um physiologically when our body temperature raises like that there is a lot more blood being pumped to the extremities to try and keep us cool to try and to try and um, improve circulation and to to try and kind of keep our core body temperature down now if if our physiology is doing too much of that then it detracts from um you know actually sending kind of oxygen to the working muscles so if you can keep as cool as possible from a physiological standpoint it'll improve performance as well um now again the gold standard i would say is um the wahoo uh, headwind the wahoo kicker headwind which i think don't quote me on this i'm pretty sure it's about 300 350 quid for a fan might be a bit cheaper than that to be honest but um if you really want to take it to the next level then invest in one of those um they are great ed at viva Lavello did give me one to demo and wow they make a difference you can even pair them to your heart rate monitor and things like that via bluetooth so that 
as your heart rate increases, the fan speed will increase and things like that. But to be honest, in the middle of summer, I just had it on full whack the whole time and you're nearly getting blown away. It's absolutely great. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you, if you haven't got that amount of money to spend on a fan, then a di another option would be just like an industrial fan from um, a builder's merchants. So I've got one in my garage, which I got from Screw Screwfix, I believe, for about 25 quid. And it's like just under a meter diameter. Um, and it blows really well. Um, so yeah, so I mean, to be, on to be honest, in the middle of winter, when I get in the garage sometimes, it's actually too cold <laughs> um, for the first, for, for at least my warm up anyway. Now what I've got, and this is a little side tip, I guess, in winter, a lot of people might struggle to get out in the garage motivation-wise because it's so cold. Well, if I've actually got a, a heater fan as well in my garage. So what I do is if I get up in the morning and I know I do, I'm do, i doing a turbo session, I turn the heater on and I let that run for 10 minutes before I'm going to get in the garage so that when I get in the garage, it's nice and toasty, nice and warm. As soon as I jump on that turbo, I turn the heater off I do 10 minutes of warm up. I do some simulation efforts and then I'll start to really warm up. And at that point, then I'll turn my normal fan on. Um, so yeah, but obviously in summer, that's not the case. In summer, my garage is roasting. And actually in summer, I bring my, if I'm doing a turbo session, I bring my turbo outside into the fresh air and have a fan blowing on me. Um, but to be honest, in summer, I'm normally out on the road training. So um, that's not so much the case, but but yeah, so if you get a good fan setup, that will really improve your performance. Um, next thing to consider is, um, well, there's two other things that I would recommend having, actually. One is uh, music. Um, now, how you do this is up to you. Um, personally, my garage is quite well soundproofed, so... I have quite a big speaker, which is kind of right near my head. <laughs> and um, and then and when I'm doing the session, I can just play that speaker quite quite loudly, obviously not too loud, right next to my face and and, um, and not annoy the neighbors too much. Now, if it's very early in the morning, like seven o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning when I'm doing a session, I don't want any sound coming out to my neighbors. So obviously um, I will use my earphones instead. Um, but regardless, you know, get some sort of music blasting, earphones, headphones, speaker, don't annoy your neighbours. In terms of selection of music, um, if it's an easy ride, an easy zone two ride where you're just getting in some miles, listen to this podcast. Educate yourself. Use the time wisely. You don't need some banging heavy metal or um, drum and bass when you're doing an easy zone two ride. So um use that time to educate yourself with podcasts or watch some cyclocross racing that's on at the minute whatever it might be that's what i do if i'm doing an hour or two hours just ticking over with some zone three efforts in there or whatever it might be um, and i don't need to be you know absolutely going full full gas then i'll listen to some podcasts i won't listen to myself but <laughs> but um but i'll listen to some educational podcasts or I'll just get cyclocross racing up on YouTube, put that on my phone um, and watch some cross racing, watch some live cross racing, watch some live motocross racing, cycling, whatever it might be. Um, 
just to just to keep myself entertained i guess obviously if you've got zwift set up which i don't then that can be your um your uh kind of distraction i guess and make time go a bit faster personally i am not a zwifter um so if you have come on this podcast to let me talk about zwift then you come to the wrong place i am too clued up on it i mean to tell you the truth i tried it once about two years ago in a free trial i tried it for a week um i think i did two sessions in that week and just didn't get on with it and to give it credit like at the time i was on a crap turbo trainer and i probably didn't give it as enough of a chance but to be honest i'll just go off on a tangent here my when i get on a turbo i'm only going on a turbo for a purpose so i have some pre-planned efforts to do in my head that i want to try and achieve i do not need to be looking at a little avatar cycling up um, a hill or seeing who's riding with me or um giving kudos to other riders or looking at my scenery when i'm doing those efforts because if i want that i'll go out on a ride on out in the open air um and and typically in winter i get a lot of my efforts done a lot of every single session has specific target powers so i'm looking at my garmin in front of me and um and that's enough to detract me from the effort and just to focus on those numbers and hit those numbers is my motivation so um so yeah so going back to what i was saying get the music blasting um but also i'd recommend having a whiteboard now again it depends how you're set up with regards to this if you're pre-uploading your specific session to zwift or to train road then you've got it on your garmin in front of you or you've got it on your ipad in front of you um for me i don't have that in front of me i just have my garmin so on my garmin screen um i have four data points for an indoor session profile and if this is same for you if you just use a garmin then then listen up because this is quite important if you're set following a session i have four um just four data screens i don't need to see my cadence i don't need to see my tss i don't need to see the temperature whatever it might be all i see is the overall time at the top lap time next down i then have two power fields which is a three second average power and critically lap average power and then i see my heart rate under that now the critical one there is lap power and lap time because if i'm doing some efforts say for example a three minute effort and i know i need to hit 420 watts for three minutes then i lap my garmin at the start of that effort and i just keep an eye on that lap average power for three minutes and then i lap it again at the end and have my recovery and that's the critical ones and i've for some people listening to this you'll be like well yeah obviously but some people will be thinking wow of course i need to do that because the amount of clients that i've been coaching who do that kind of thing and they don't have lap power showing and then the power is way off because all they're doing is looking on three second average and that three second average could look like it's where it needs to be but actually on average it's much lower so um and they're unknown doing 
doing efforts that are much less. Like I say, if you're following a session on Zwift or on Trainer Road, you don't necessarily need to know that because you'll have the session on, on your iPad or on your computer or, or whatever in front of you. But um, And some of you will be using things like erg mode so that you don't you have to think about um, uh, moving your effort up or down. Um, so yeah, so, so on that note, for those people who are following a session like I do, not on Zwift or Training Road, just with a, a Garmin in front of you, I would also actually have a whiteboard next to you. Now, just like I do, so I have my what bike set up, and then I've I've actually just like um, screwed a whiteboard to the wall by the side of me, and what that means is that I can write the session on that whiteboard, but also I can count my laps, so if so not to lose track. So let's say I'm doing twenty times one minute over, one minute under, an over under session. Um, it's quite easy when you're on the rivet, when you get to lap eight or nine, to think, oh crap, am I on lap eight or lap nine? And then suddenly that starts stressing you out and then you lose complete track. And then any little thing like that where you're not switched on can quite drastically affect your um, affect your performance. So so yeah, you need to be quite switched on to it and... and um, and it, it, all it takes is a little tally chart. You know, when you've done an effort, make a line. When you've done your second effort, make a line. When you've done five efforts, put a cross through that line. You know, it's these little things which just make things a little bit easier um, when counting your efforts. Right, last sip of my coffee, I promise. I noticed that when I've been sipping my coffee, actually, before I changed to the good mic, you probably wouldn't even hear anything. So that's... That's very depressing. <laughs> um, okay, so um, we're going to come on to planning the session. So, so that we've, we've talked a bit, a bit about setup. That was the first first element to this. The next part is planning. So, um, first of all, you need to think about what session you're doing. Now, I never want to see any of you get on the turbo without a pre-plan in your head. If you are an individual who's being coached, like some of my athletes, you won't even need to worry about this because you'll know it. You'll know the session that you need to do. You'll know exactly what your target power is. You'll know exactly what I want out of that session and what you need to try and um, hit. Now, if you haven't got a coach, you need to know what your intent is before you get on that turbo set, on that turbo trainer. And to be honest, you should know a day or two in advance. So it's not just a case of thinking, okay, on Tuesday, I'm going to do some threshold efforts because that is too generic. I promise you that's too generic because what will happen is you'll get on the turbo, you'll do a warm up, you'll start riding at thresholds and then you'll be like, okay, well, it's getting quite difficult now. I'll back off a bit and then I'll go again. I'll back off a bit. And you're not showing... Um, anything that is uh, kind of any data sets, anything that's kind of um, anything that's going to give you quality and anything that you can track and progress. So what I mean by this is if you say, all right, I'm going to do some threshold efforts, it needs to be as specific as, okay, today I'm going to do two times 20 minutes at threshold power, for example. Um, and 
yeah, you can give yourself a range to work within. So let's say your threshold power is 300 watts, for example. You could say I'm going to do two times 20 minutes at um, 295 to 305 watts. Um, and and then if you feel good, you can work to the top end of that range. And if you don't feel good, you can work to the bottom end of that range. Um, but then the benefit of that is once you do that session and you've got a tick in that box and you've ticked it off, you can kind of make a note in a diary or on training peaks on how that felt, make a note of what your average power was. And then in two weeks time, if you revisit the same session or you say, okay, I wanna do some threshold efforts again, you can revisit that exact same session and purely just try and beat those power numbers. And straight away, you know, you can quantitatively say that you have increased your performance there. You've got progression. So. That's what I mean by that. You always, you've always got a pre-plan in your head on exactly what you're doing before you jump on the turbo trainer. Um, the way in which you will decide what you're doing is to take some kind of considerations. So you'll consider um, what you're trying to achieve or work on. So say, for example, if you're specifically trying to increase your uh, VO2 max, you'll do some of the VO2 max efforts. You'll consider what you did last time and then how are you gonna try and beat that? You'll consider what session you did last night. So if you train the night before, you'll consider that because you're not gonna do two sessions exactly the same two nights in a row, for example. Um, but you'll also consider things like, are you, in a a uh, sorry, are you in a position to progress? Or are you just trying to maintain? So are you fatigued and you just wanna maintain, do an easy ride? Or are you in a position where you feel fresh and you want to progress? This is all considerations you need to think about. Um, you also need to kind of, um, on the planning note, you, you what you need to be doing is factoring this session into your day. Okay, and this is quite a serious point. Now, too many people um, get up in the morning and think, right, I'm going to do a turbo session today. But they don't know exactly what time they're going to be doing it. And what happens there is they get in a situation where they end up procrastinating a lot of the time. Let's say it's a weekend, for example. Let's say it's a Saturday and you you know that it's crap weather and you're going to do a turbo session. Um, you've got all day to do it. Now, if you don't specifically tell yourself the day before exactly when you're going to do that turbo session, what will end up happening is it'll get pushed back and back and back. Things will crop up. Things come up that you're not, you, you didn't plan to do um the wife wants to go and do a tesco shot whatever it is and that'll just get pushed back and back and then you'll end up doing it right at the end of the day when maybe motivation's not as high you might even not get around to doing it not only that but even if you do get around to doing it you can't pre-plan things like your meal timing you can't pre-plan things like having a bit of a coffee before it you can't pre-plan things like making sure everything's set up and ready to go so you can dev devote full attention and full capacity to that session so a typical example is if you're working during the week and you know that you start work at 7 a.m but you you finish at 4 p.m then it's probably unfeasible to try and do that session before work but you know that you finish at four, you're home for half four, and you're gonna get on the turbo at half four to do that hour's session. Perfect time to do a session. But if you know that you're gonna get on that turbo as soon as you walk in the door, you're gonna get changed, jump on the turbo, then 
straight away you know that you can plan your meals in advance and you can make sure you have a bit of a snack two hours before for example your wife knows you're going to do that so there's no not going to be any questions about things to do as soon as you get back and then you finish the session at half five you shower you're done for a quarter to six and you can devote the rest of the evening to the kids to the wife to doing shop to cooking tea whatever it might be rather than getting home you haven't told your wife in advance you haven't told yourself in advance you sit down on the sofa you start snacking because you're a little bit hungry your wife says oh tea's ready in an hour then you're stressing because you're like oh i was going to do a turbo session and then it's all knackered um but similarly on a weekend you know if you've said you're going to do a session on a on a saturday but you don't know what time you need to block out a piece of time in the diary as to exactly when you're going to do that session so whether that's at 10 o'clock after you've left your breakfast settle whether that's first thing in the morning and before breakfast uh, whether that's just before lunch whatever it might be make sure that block of time is specifically tailored to you that is your time in the day purely to yourself to perform and as soon as you know that that time is available you can make sure that that is that sorted you can make sure that um you've got no distractions you can make sure that it's all sorted and nothing's going to get get in the way of you from doing that um so yeah consider time of day so you need to consider things like you you need to consider things like what time of train what sorry what time of day do you train best um so are you one of those individuals who trains best in the morning are you most um active are you most mentally and physically stimulated in the morning and do you get progressively more tired during the day or either the way around other way around do you perform best physically later in the day this is one consideration another consideration is meal timing um so obviously you wouldn't do a tra training session within 20 minutes of finishing your lunch you wouldn't do a training session um uh, 20 minutes after your evening meal so you need to consider meal timing so you need to consider um where that session is in relation to your meals um and typically you know typically those sessions either fit just before breakfast or mid-morning or just before lunch or mid-afternoon that's the kind of typical times in which you train but you need to consider um consider where you perform best as well other considerations are things like sleep compromises so i'm a big, big advocate of training in the morning if and when you can i tell most of my clients and i do it myself you know if you've got an option to either try and train at 7 a.m before work or 7 p.m after work i would always try and aim to train in the morning if you can and if you perform best then um as long sorry as long as you're not compromising performance too much but also you need to consider what that has an effect on your sleep so work out if if you're training at 7 p.m because you're not finishing the session till 8 30 does that mean that you're going to bed a lot later and therefore compromising sleep but there on the flip side if you're getting up early at 7 a.m sorry to train at 7 a.m so you're getting up at whatever it is six 
is that compromising your sleep too much so consider i won't go into the too much death but consider what compromising your sleep most and then adapt to that um point number three so we'll go on to the one of the last kind of main uh, overarching elements of this which is regards to nutrition and fueling for these performances so one of the <clears throat> one of the first things we need to consider is the length of time that you are spending on the turbo or the length of time you're doing these sessions because um if these sessions are under about 70 80 minutes or maximum an hour and a half as long as you are not in a severe calorie deficit over the day or the week and you're not specifically restricting carbohydrates as part of a dietary intervention then generally speaking for these sessions which are less than 90 minutes you will have sufficient kind of circulating muscle and blood glycogen to fuel the session and the efforts required um now that being said um and this this is i mean i guess what i'm saying here is that there's not you can overthink this um i think a lot of people think oh i'm doing an intense session i need to um you know have a gel at this time i need to do this i need to do that well for most of you listening who are doing fairly short sessions um it's not as important as you might think and basically as long as you're not massively underfueled during the day itself um and as like I say as long as you're not in a severe calorie deficit as it as it is then then you should be okay absolutely fine now that being said we we can make sure that our performance is high and and keep um be mindful that um if we were to have a little carbohydrate snack just before the session it certainly wouldn't do any harm and if anything it might improve performance by a little bit now these are considerations depending on kind of how intense that session is what you want it to get out of it and things like that so some general advice based on that then um i would advise to consume your last meal first of all no less than two hours prior to ensure that there is no food kind of still still in your gut um you know being digesting now obviously if you've got a big meal sat in your gut when you're doing int intense intervals then there will still be a lot of blood going to your gut to try and digest that food now not, not only will you probably feel very nauseous very sick and um not very well because of that but also you need to consider that because that blood is down there in your gut trying to do that digestion it will detract from blood that's actually in your muscles trying to develop force and power on the pedals so it will um, mean that your performance is sacrificed um but also typically don't leave it much more than four to five hours prior to the session to ensure that your blood sugar levels are stable and there's some circulating like kind of kind of fuel for the fuel for the fire i guess you could say so based on that 
your last meal before before a session like that should be three to four hours before now obviously if you think about a practical example for this if you've had lunch at 12 o'clock then you should leave it till about three o'clock before you jump on the set on the on the turbo now we could go into finite details and say what should be in that meal um and basically that meal three hours prior to should have some fairly easily digestible carbohydrates such as white rice or some potato sweet potato what it shouldn't have is loads of fiber and it shouldn't have loads of um, hard to digest proteins such as red meat um, so a good example of something that you could have maybe three hours prior would be some uh, a can of tuna and some white rice with some spinach um, all easy digestible foods um, now we we talked about this a lot in the last podcast so if you want to uh, know a little bit more about nutrition per- performance then um, yeah check out the last podcast because we talked a lot about that so I won't go into too much detail today but basically don't consume any red meat three hours before um, even on the day of any time on the day of to be honest um, and uh, yeah try and keep fiber fairly low and and make sure it includes some carbohydrates um now if that meal was longer than three hours before so something like so say for example if you had your lunch at 12 half 12 and you're not training till five half five on the evening then it would be advisable to have another small snack fairly high carbohydrate snack maybe an hour and a half before the session itself so if you had your lunch at 12 and your session's at half five, then maybe three-ish, half three, three, you could have, let's say, for example, um, three rice cakes, some sliced banana and some jam, or a, you know, a, a white bagel, something like that, just to top up your kind of circulating carbohydrate stores a little bit more. Um, another approach would actually be to not feed, but instead just sip on some carbohydrate solution. So have some a carb drink ready um one thing that i will um in just going back to that point generally speaking you want to feel like your stomach is empty but you're not hungry and and there's um there's a fine balance there um one point that i will really stress though is hydration um people neglect this you sweat a lot on the turbo and you need to be sufficiently hydrated before the session and making sure that you're drinking enough fluids throughout the day also during the session and also after the session i mean as an example um yesterday i did an hour and 10 minutes an hour and 15 minutes on the turbo i drunk like i did it first thing in the morning before breakfast and I think I drunk like maybe three and a half, four liters of fluid last yesterday. Um, and I didn't even feel like I'd sweat that much during the session, but I was still catching up with hydration in the afternoon. Um, so, so yeah, you need to be on it um, with, with drinking a lot. And everybody's sweat rates are different. So 
nice and simple just keep an eye on your urine and and keep an eye on the color of that urine and make sure that it's um just off off clear kind of thing um obviously the amount of each individual sweat varies from person to person um and depends on a variety of factors um but also such as things like workout intensity duration environmental temperatures and and genetics but but yeah hydration is very important make sure you are hydrated because you could be sacrificing many watts if you're under under hydrated um so a little summary then on um on on some of the key points that i just made with regards to uh you know with your indoor training setup um make sure that you've got your trainer set up and ready to go so that there's as least faff as possible um you know it's very um you know especially if time is very precious um or you're heading on the turbo after a day at work then make sure that you're organized the night before or or in the morning so everything's in place and you're not spending 15 minutes searching for your bib shorts or whatever it might be um just to get on the bike you know make sure that you're well prepared in advance um make sure that you've got a decent fan and you've got circulating air make sure that you've got music to to help you through the session with regards to planning make sure that you structure your week effectively make sure that you're not doing too much uh too much of one intensity but make sure that you plan your sessions in advance and make sure that you know specifically what you're doing before you jump on the turbo session. Um, consider the time of day and when's best for you to train and then kind of manipulate your meal timing and, um, and things like that around the session to make sure that you get the most out of your session. Um, consider things like uh hydration and fueling to make sure that you've got enough enough overall food in the system to help you through that session and make sure you're sufficiently hydrated um and that's the that's the main things to consider really uh when it comes to when it comes to training indoors i think uh a lot of people kind of disregard certain small key elements but a lot of these small key smaller elements do actually um, evolve one on top of the other to have quite a dramatic impact on performance and I think it's one thing to consider is when you're training indoors and you are reaching for performance often those intervals that you're doing are very very um, very precise and very tax taxing and very testing and one thing that you need to bear in mind is that when you are on the rivet and when you're going deep and you're going hard very small what might feel like insignificant things can actually have quite a big impact on your performance so say for example if you're doing a 10 minute effort at 105 percent of threshold for those of you who know what that feels like it's not a very nice sensation you're absolutely on the rivet and it really and it really is testing you now if something was to happen such as um let me think such as your bike setup isn't quite right or such as 
um, you realize that you're under hydrated. You've forgotten to put your bottle on the bike, so you've not actually got a drink with you. Or you have realized that the um, the micro the um, your headphones aren't connected properly, and you're not got any music for that effort. It's little things like that which might sound insignificant at the time, which can really play on your mind and therefore play on your physiology and affect the session quite quite largely. So having these things in place to make sure that they're ticked off and sorted before the session is quite a key a key element to it all. Um, so we're going to go into the Q&A then. Um, I've left a bit of time available at the end of this to, to reel through some some questions that you've been answering. I put um, on my Instagram story a few days ago. I put out some a Q and A, and I and I was I had quite a few responses to that. So there's a few that I'll go through here. Um, some of which I've answered before in previous podcasts, so I won't be answering those. Um, but uh, but yeah, some of them are, are new, and I'll go through these. And again, I haven't really had a chance to kind of go through this or research the answers to these much. So I'll just kind of reel some things off my head. And then I'll also go and have a quick look at the live Q&A that I've done on my current story to see if there's any other, other questions. And I'll fill them in as, oh yeah, there is actually, there's a few on there. So, okay, so first question. Um, fuel during turbo sets, gels, bars, nothing discuss so i think I've, I've partly answered this anyway in the podcast um so obviously this guy is asking in in terms of um fueling for turbo sessions should you have gels should you have bars should you have nothing now to be honest it depends on how you're approaching the session and uh, like i said before it depends if you're in a calorie deficit or not it depends if you're restricting carbohydrates or not it depends what time of day it is it depends how long you're on the turbo for and for what intensity you're riding at. Obviously, you need to consider that, and something that I didn't mention before, but if you need to consider that if it's a low intensity ride, just at zone two, then you'll be utilizing a lot smaller proportion of carbohydrates and overall calories than if you would if you were to do some full gas, you know, uh, 110% of threshold for five minutes efforts. Um, so you need to consider these things when you're, when you're thinking about this, um, for, for sessions that are lasting under an hour and a half, typically you don't need to fuel pro like specifically for the session, as long as you're appropriately fueling throughout the day. Um, but yeah, to answer your question specifically, um, let's say that you've had a day at work, you've not eaten since 12 o'clock and it's a 5 p.m 6 p.m session on an evening then i would advise taking in some sort of carbohydrates either just before or during the session itself now for me specifically i don't actually like eating too much on the turbo trainer um if it's a short session now obviously so what i do in a, in in that scenario is i would actually just have a little snack at about three half three and that would help my glycogen stores a little bit for for that session itself. But um, but yeah, another way of doing it is to have something like a carbohydrate solution in a drink. But anything anything that's got some easily digestible carbohydrates in 
Um, if you're in a cal in a carbohydrate depleted state going into it, then then it would certainly help. Um, so yeah, so something like a gel or a bar would be fine, um, but it's not essential. So don't feel you need it um, if if you don't you know if you if you reflect on your day and you know that you're appropriately fueled for the session, then and it's a fairly short session, then you wouldn't necessarily need it. Um, uh, next question: How translatable is aerobic fitness in exercises that use alike muscles? Uh, brackets running slash cycling. So, this guy, I'm, I'm assuming he means, you know, basically, if I go for a run, will that positively impact my cycling performance? Um, again, the answer to this is it depends. Um, it depends, kind of, you know, how trained you are as a cyclist and what level you are. Um, as a cycling coach, I am very fond of keeping cyclists as holistically fit as possible. So what I mean by that is a good cyclist should also have other good kind of physical motor skills other than just being able to ride a bike well. They should be able to perform other tasks to a, a competent skill level. They should be able to run to the bus and not feel out of breath or absolutely ruined after it. They should be able to press a fairly heavy weight above the head. They should be able to squat a fairly heavy weight. They should be able to deadlift something without pulling the back. Um, they should be holistically fit rather than just being good at pedaling a bike. So that being said, you know, uh, although running is very specific in terms of the demands on your legs and 90% of cyclists, if they went for a run, they would for certainly feel it a lot in their legs. I would say that... that I would advocate generally trying to do a little bit of running here and there as a cyclist. And the reason I say that is because cycling is a very low impact sport. It's very, very um, caring on your uh, muscles and bones. And although that has benefits for lack of injury prevention, sorry, lack of injuries, what it doesn't do is it doesn't actually proactively try and make your bones stronger and your tendons and ligaments stronger with the impact. So, um, yeah, what you need to consider is that um, running is a, an impact activity and cycling is not. And impact activities are good for developing bone density, um, which tends to decrease as you get older. Um and so, yeah, so doing a few runs here and there is good. Picking where you do them is quite critical. But obviously, if you do them in the off-season, if you do one or two runs a week in the off-season, that's a good way of implementing it into the week. Um, uh, obviously, I wouldn't advocate as much in-season because it can quite quickly start to ruin your legs But uh, <laughs> if, you're a, if you're purely a cyclist. But... Um, but what I what I will touch on though is if you are a less trained cyclist who is fairly new to the sport, you will benefit a lot from simply increasing cardio cardiovascular um, exercise. So the running will help lose a little bit of weight. Um, the running will increase your cardiovascular fitness in terms of all the performance markers. Um, you will find a lot of benefit from just that increase in activity. Now, if you're a well trained cyclist. The performance benefits from going for a few runs 
won't be there as much. And if anything, could potentially have a detrimental performance if you're taking if you're doing that instead of cycling. Um so I guess to summarize, the answer is if you're doing it on top of your cycling and it's not negatively impacting your cycling, it can only be a benefit. If you're doing it instead of your cycling, then I would argue that the cycling that you would have been doing has more of a cycling specific performance benefit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's many other considerations involved. Next question, favorite snack on the bike? Um, I'll quickly answer this one. My two favorite snacks on the bike are a homemade flapjack that I make where I basically just blend up or um, mix up uh, coconut oil, honey, oats, nuts, seeds, protein, powder, um, mix it all up, compact it down, bake it in the oven for only about 10 minutes, let it set. Um, I also put some dates in there and uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite snacks. Other favorite snacks on the bike are um, like a sweet potato. Sounds daft, but I've told, I think I mentioned it before on the podcast, wrap a sweet potato, a cooked sweet potato, a whole cooked sweet potato with the ends chopped off heat that up in the microwave so it's cooked through stick it in a bit of cling film or foil put it in your back pocket with a bit of salt on and it hits the spot um next question key attributes to a good morning routine in your opinion good question um i think there's two different types of morning routine there's an ideal morning routine and there's a realistic morning routine. An ideal morning routine is not realistic for, for most people who have to get to work without compromising sleep. So an ideal morning routine would be to wake up, um, have at least a pint of water, which is something that I do personally, brush your teeth, uh, do some kind of home meditation slash relaxation yoga, kind of gather your thoughts and um, have some positive thoughts for the day, make a bit of a, a list on things to do and be proactive, make sure that you have kind of got clear insight into what you want to achieve that day, have some time to um, kind of reflect on, on previous day and what you want to action, then to maybe go for a 30-minute a walk as the sun's rising to expose yourself to some daylight have a good healthy breakfast, um, then yeah, set about your day in terms of working and training. Now, um, that's probably not realistic when it comes to most people uh, because they won't have time to sit there and think about this without compromising their sleep because they need to rush off to work. So in my a realistic approach to this, which is basically something that I do every day. Let's just explain my morning, my morning routine. I wake up at, it averages about six o'clock in the morning. Um, sometimes it's a bit earlier, half five. Sometimes it's a bit later, half six, but between half five and half six. And that's what I would advocate in doing a similar time every single day. First of all, stick to a, a wake up routine in terms of time you wake up. Wake up, have a glass of water, brush your teeth, 
Um, allow your hunger to start before you actually eat your breakfast. So don't necessarily just go down and shove some breakfast down you. Allow your hunger to 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 come into play while you answer a few. I mean, I always start the day with answering any pressing emails or messages from clients. So I do that first of all while while my hunger is starting to come, and I just sit there with a black coffee. Um, and then yeah, then I have my breakfast. Um, I also make a list in the morning in the first hour of, of things I want to get done, like the absolutely essential things that I need to do. And I often walk the dog in the morning if my wife hasn't to expose myself to natural light and get some nice fresh air in the morning. By that time, it's half seven, eight o'clock. And then I start my normal day with regards to normal office work, with regards to doing training, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, that's my morning routine. Um, and yeah, there's some key attributes there in terms of making sure you start the day off well in terms of hydration and planning the day ahead. Um, stick to stick to a routine in, in terms of waking up and going to bed at a certain time. I think that's the the key the key principles there. Next question: best pre-workout for a good session. Um, I personally have if I'm in terms of actual pre-workout um, for a gym session or something like that. I just use my protein zone pre-workout because it works for me. And to be honest, I haven't really experimented with any other brands, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask. But you want to look for a pre-workout that, that that includes a decent amount of caffeine. But you want to um, you want to experiment with what the right doses are for you as an individual. And I think I guess this is the the answer to this is that a best pre-workout, in my opinion, for me, is not the same best pre-workout for you because you will need a, a different dose of caffeine to what I will for, to optimize performance. So my answer here would be try different things, see what works for you and go from there. And also don't necessarily think that you need to buy a pre-workout. I mean, especially for cycling, there's a lot of uh, um, ingredients in normal pre-workout supplements, which are good for lifting, but not necessarily good for cycling. So, so consider these things when it comes to what what's in these pre-workouts because you can easily make your own good pre-workout drink by for example just having a coffee <laughs> or having um a caffeine tablet and um you know and some good electrolyte b vitamin kind of uh, thing in there without necessarily thinking oh i need this this and this um so Top three supplements for males is the next question. Um, I'm just going to reel off the first thing, three things that come to my mind. Number one is creatine. I've talked about the benefits before on my podcast. If you haven't heard it, watch the third, first podcast I did, episode one. Towards the end, I talk about the benefits of creatine for cyclists. Um, number two would be vitamin D, simply because I think it's... The stats are something like 80% of people in the UK are deficient in vitamin D. So taking something like a 1,000 IU of vitamin D a day is really going to improve your mood, your health, your recovery, and everything like that. And the third supplement that I would recommend, to be, to be fair, they're the only two supplements that I take every day anyway. Um, aside from protein, though, I guess you could say the third supplement would be protein. Um, 
protein powders because they're just easy, quick, convenient source of protein. Um, if you don't necessarily count that as a supplement, then the third supplement that I would suggest is for males. Um, let me think. Got creatine, got vitamin D. I'd just, I'd probably go for something like a, a good all-round multivit. Um, or probably, no, I'd probably go with some sort of fish oils because people don't generally have enough omega-3 fatty acids, so go for something like a fish oil tablet. Um, but it depends. The answer to this is to see what works, what you are potentially deficient at because there'll be, there'll be individuals listening to this podcast who are deficient in iron, for example, or deficient in vitamin, vitamin B. And without doing like a medi-checks, uh, check up on, on your blood lab blood levels or getting one done from the doctors, you won't know. And it's all right me saying, oh yeah, take these supplements, but actually you as an individual might benefit a hell of a lot more from a certain iron tablet because you're deficient in iron, for example. Um, but the, the answer to that question is to realistically, apart from certain key attributes that you can't get from dietary intervention, which I've just mentioned, for example, you can't get the kind of levels of vitamin D realistically from uh, foods that we need. And creatine, you can't get the kind of levels from meats that we need without having a hell of a lot of red meat all the time. Um, if, your if your diet's good, you shouldn't really need to supplement is kind of what I'm saying. So um, assess your diet first before you look into supplements. Um Another, another question we've got here is how much protein a day do you recommend? Um, I've touched on this before. I recommend between 1.6 and 2 grams per kilogram of body weight. Um, so, for example, for me as an 82 kilogram male, um, if I was to have uh, 2 grams per kilo, which is typically what I have, I have about 160 grams of protein per day. Now, if you, let's say, divide that up by five meals in the day, that's about 33 grams of protein per meal if I have five five meals in a day. Um, a few more questions that are coming in on my Instagram stories. Um, what's your food guilty pleasure? <laughs> um, all right, I, I promise you these are fully unrehearsed because I've literally just pulled them up now. Um, food guilty pleasure. Good question. Okay. I haven't got much of a sweet tooth. So I'm not like, oh, it's sweets and chocolates kind of thing. I do like a bit of dark chocolate, but that's not a guilty pleasure. Because I, I, I don't have it very regularly. Um, my guilty pleasure. I do like a good fish and chips. <laughs> um, I guess... You see, the con the concept of a guilty pleasure is somewhat misunderstood from a lot of people or, or misinterpreted because to me, for example, I'm thinking fish and chips now is probably my, what I would call a guilty pleasure, but I don't feel guilty when I have fish and chips because I only have fish and chips roughly once every two weeks 
And in terms of the macronutrient profile of fish and chips, it's actually not that unhealthy. I mean, it would be unhealthy if I had it every single day because I'm missing out on a lot of key vitamins and minerals, um, missing out a lot of fiber. But actually, fish and chips, it's really high in protein. It's actually not that calorie dense if you think about it. Um, and there's, you know, as long as you don't get a really fatty version, it's not actually that high in saturated fat either. So it's not actually that bad. And, um, you know, it, so I, 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 I probably wouldn't say that that's a massively guilty pleasure. I don't really like proper greasy burgers. I don't really like shitty dairy chocolate. I don't really like pick and mix sweets, you know, bags of sweets and things like that, crisps. I don't really enjoy them at all. I don't really like alcohol. So my guilty pleasure would be fish and chips, but I don't feel guilty eating it. So, um, because I have it very infrequently, but I do bloody enjoy it. You know, there's a um, fish and chips near my, uh, near my house, nearish my house called Papa's in Willoughby. And, uh, yeah, it's freaking fantastic fish. Really, really good. Uh, really, really good haddock, and uh, yeah, I have that roughly every 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 other week, maybe something like that. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got any other guilty pleasures, but I, to be honest, I don't. I can't think of anything. Um, um, next question. <laughs> the next questions that are coming on my story, most of them are piss takes. Um, one of them is should I do the tour or the Giro this year <laughs> um, obviously this is a client that's asking it um, I think you would suit the Giro better as a rider for those that person that's asking and one of my friends is saying how did you enjoy your three days of retirement <laughs> so um, that's relating to as I said at the start of the podcast about uh, me suggesting that I'm going to take a step back from performance cycling but then in the last few days I've done lots of hard intervals and tests so he's taking a piss there um, but yeah my three days of retirement was very good thank you it gave me a good perspective on uh, how much I actually enjoy looking at numbers and how how, how much I enjoy training hard <laughs> we're going to leave the podcast there guys because I've been talking now for over an hour um, and the sun's just come out, so I fancy an hour's mountain bike ride before um, before I crack on with a load more office work today. Thank you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure. Like I say, I may not get a podcast out next week or the week after because baby is due soon. But if it does come on the due date, i.e. late February, then I probably will get one on, in before then. But um, But yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you wouldn't mind... Um, it really does help my, me generate motivation to create more content. Just drop me a message, say what your review is, give me any positive or negative feedback, or um, share this um, share this podcast via your Instagram stories or share it on Facebook because again, it really is nice to see. And when I look at the analytics of this podcast, it is exponentially increasing by the amount of views and, and clicks that it's got. So um you know we're into the hundreds now in terms of the views um on every podcast and it's getting higher and higher each each week so um it's really nice to hear it's really nice to see 
And um, until next time, thank you very much. See you later. <laughs>